My Voice is a chance for those who have struggled with addiction, homelessness, depression, and domestic violence to have a candid conversation about their life experience, current situation, and future goals and aspirations. Every episode is conducted anonymously to facilitate a comfortable and safe place for guests to tell their story. My Voice is hosted by Mike Sisson, who works as a case manager at the My House facilities in Wasilla, Alaska. We now join a My Voice conversation already in progress. If you could go on an all-expenses-paid trip anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? I'd want to go to the Caribbeans because I heard it's really beautiful and they have nice sandy beaches. Nice. Tropical destination. Yeah. That's an easy one, I feel like. I mean, you can almost just like... I I would be hard-pressed, I feel like, to find somebody who's like, beaches? Nah, dude. <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone out there like that. Uh, if there is, I'd be interested to meet them and ask them why. I have no idea why, but ever since I was younger, I've had this want to just go to the Caribbean, smoke a cigar, lay back, and just enjoy the view. Nice. That's a pretty good mental picture, I got to say. I'm with you there. If there's a plus one, dude, I'm with you. <laughs> Were you born in Alaska? Yeah. I was born in Kotzebue, Alaska. How long did you live in Kotzebue? I lived there for about two years or three years, and then my parents moved us to... Actually, no, we left there when I was four, so I stayed there until I was four, and when I was four, we moved to Anchorage. How long did you spend in Anchorage? I stayed in Anchorage until I was seven. My dad, uh, he was working at Red Dog at the time. My mom was staying home watching us while he was working his two weeks on, two weeks off. And uh, my parents, uh, while my dad was out working, my mom would cheat on him and drink and stuff and bring all these guys around. And my dad came home, uh, found out, and uh, they split up from there. And from there, my dad sold his house that he had in Anchorage and flew us to the village to live with my grandpa. Wow. So in the midst of all of that happening, when your dad would leave and your mom would go through that period of time where she would do those things, was it like as a kid, like being like, I think you said from four to seven, right? Yeah. What type of things like did you experience? Was it just like, oh, new people are coming over or was yeah, it heavier it was, than it that? Was, uh, it was guys coming over like while my dad was gone. My dad drinks too, so they'd still drink when he came home. But um, mostly when he was gone, the, it was just uh, uncles that would come by. And my dad, whenever my dad came home, I'd tell them that my uncles came by. And he's, he'd tell me, all your uncles are in the village. So, Gotcha. Wow. And then when you went back to live with your grandpa, that was in Kotzebue? That was in Buckland. Uh, yeah, it's right next to Kotzebue. My grandma lives in Kotzebue. My mom's lived here since my parents split up. And uh, I always flew back and forth through all three villages or city village. So from <laughs> Buckland to Kotzebue to Wasilla? Yeah, Buckland to Kotzebue to Anchorage and then drive from Anchorage to here. Right, right. And during that time, how long did you spend doing that until adulthood? Like till you were 18? Yeah. Uh, actually, I went to, I stayed in Buckland. I'd go to school every year in Buckland. And my sophomore and uh, 
my freshman and sophomore year, I did really good, played sports and everything, but I started drinking and stuff, and I went to boarding school, uh, 10th grade, or 11th grade, yeah, because I was going to do my uh, junior and senior year in boarding school at Galena, but I met this girl, and she liked doing things that I thought I liked doing. So it was just partying and stuff, and I followed her here. And when I got here, we split up, and so I pretty much was homeless. And then I tried going back to my mom's house, and she wouldn't let me stay there because we didn't really have a good relationship. So I started, uh, I just became homeless here, like, by choice. Because my grandpa, if I called him in the village, and my dad and my grandpa, and I said, hey, I'm out of here, I got nowhere to go, they flew me out. But I was kind of enjoying the pleasures I was getting from doing drugs and drinking and stuff at the time. So you said you didn't have a good relationship with your mom. Was there anything that caused that in during your lifetime, or you guys just didn't click well? I'm pretty sure it had a lot to do with me drinking and smoking at the time, and she didn't want that around her house because she was trying to get sober and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, okay. And so I'm guessing then there was probably a lot of contention between the two of you during that time. She probably wasn't happy with you and you weren't happy with her, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was it was back and forth. And so I came back. I left to Anchorage to go to a party. I came back here and I went to her house where uh, I was going to go stay the night or something. But she wasn't home and all my bags and clothes and stuff were outside. So I took all my clothes and stuff and I walked down to the nearest cars. I think I had $20 in my pocket. Uh, hey, that's in a rap song. Yeah, it is. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so I met this homeless guy and uh, I asked him if he could get me some booze. He said no, but I could get you some other stuff. And I was like, well, whatever will give me high. So that's when I did meth for the first time. Wow. And uh, he asked me if I shot up and I said... Uh, yeah, yeah, I shoot up, you know, I was lying to him, and he's like, uh, I, I told him, go ahead and do the first hit, you know, whatever, and I watched how he did it, and I monkey seed, monkey do, and that was my first time doing meth was shooting it up, and wow, was addicted ever since. How old were you when that happened? 17. Wow. Uh, no, actually, I just turned 18, it was that summer, yeah, because it was starting to turn fall, it was right after my birthday. So, how old are you now? I'm 26. I'll be 27 in a month. Okay. So 18 years old, you just turned 18, homeless by choice at the time because you were just enjoying, I'm guessing, freedom and partying, the yep. mixture of those two things. You didn't have to answer to anybody. Yep. Yeah. I And, and I didn't want to go back to the village because there's very limited resources, very limited things to do. You, know, you see the same people. It just gets really repetitive. So okay, so what did that look like? What did what did it look like after the first time you did meth at eighteen? Well, uh, it was fun. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I didn't have no responsibilities, no kids at the time, nothing. So I just spent maybe about until I was nineteen, just partying and stuff. And then I met this. Uh, I I I got tired of it. It got. Tired of it really fast, you know, and I met somebody who said, hey, we got free coffee and stuff here at this meeting. I went to that meeting, and at that meeting, I met this fellow named uh, Chuck who worked with my house, and uh, he's like, uh, yeah, we could help you out, get you into this program, get you into an apartment. I thought he was messing with me and stuff, but he didn't. He took me to my house where I met Michelle, and 
got enrolled in the program and they moved me in like literally that week moved me into the house that was uh, at the time it was the right off of connect goose bay road it was at the beginning where the u-haul is now wow yeah so you were in the early days of the housing yeah wow when you moved in uh Uh, you were 19 right you moved in there when i moved in uh i i wasn't ready to change or whatever i just needed a place to you know recover for a little bit get some food get some clothes just use and abuse the system mm-hmm. and uh that didn't work out too well i got kicked out shortly after for not doing what i was suggested and then after that um i went out partying some more and uh i ended up meeting uh my now girlfriend morgan our fiance soon to be wife I met her, I think it was 2000 and 2014, I want to say, Okay. when I met her. And um, we were doing drugs. Uh, she had just lost her oldest, which is now my stepdaughter, uh, sh- to OCS. Uh, OCS gave her parents temporary custody of her until she could do treatment and stuff like that. But... We were so far in, so far gone. We're staying in a tent, and we're just not caring or not getting anything done. And we had just met each other, so we were, like, still in that honeymoon phase, you know. So we didn't really see it as all that bad and stuff like that. And then uh, she got this opportunity to go to Oregon and get a job uh, while staying with her biological father. And so she left and went and did that, and it was sad because she's like, I don't want to leave you here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, don't miss your chance to make your life better or whatnot. And uh, so she ended up going there, and uh, I got a phone call from her about a week later or two weeks later calling, and she's like, I'm going to fly you up. I already got you a plane ticket. You're coming to Oregon. And I was still doing drugs at the time. I I thought she was messing with me. My mind was so out there. I was like, you're messing with me, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe you. And um, sure enough, her dad came and picked me up from the tent. Uh, The the patch of woods I was staying in, I hear him hollering. I come out there, and it was her uh, stepdad uh, there that picked me up to take me to the airport. I was like, this is crazy. I still didn't. It didn't come to my mind that it was actually happening. and So he went and brought me to the Anchorage airport, and I flew down to Oregon where I finally got, like, the first sober time since I was started doing meth. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and how old were you at that point? I think I was 21. Wow. Yeah. And how long did you spend in Oregon? Uh, I stayed there for about nine months. And then uh, we decided to come back here and give it another try. But uh, we still had two strong ties to the people we knew. I believe that's the case. Mm -hmm. And it's true when they say you are who you hang with. I started hanging with the old same people that didn't want to do anything with their lives, that only wanted to use and abuse their friends, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, so we got into an apartment, started doing good. I was working. Oh no, actually, yeah, we got we came back. Uh, we stayed with her parents for a little bit. We got kicked out from there because 
we immediately started doing drugs again and drinking. So we got kicked out of there like literally a month after we came back. And then we it was summertime, so we went back to doing what we were doing before and staying in a tent and then doing drugs. We did that for about another year, and then she got pregnant with my biological daughter, Journey. And uh, I didn't want her to be pregnant in a tent. I, I, yeah, so I called my grandpa. I told him I didn't know what to do, and about a week later, he flew us to the village where wow. we st- yeah where we stayed there throughout her whole pregnancy we stayed sober for that whole time too so and then uh after journey was bo- uh so the corporation that I'm tied to they flew us out to Anchorage to have the baby and paid for our hotel rooms for a month <coughs> the last month of her uh pregnancy and uh we had journey it was so amazing i had never felt so happy in my life to see like a little me, you know. Yep, it's crazy. Anyways, um, after she was born, we flew back to the village where uh, we stayed for about six months. Journey was about six months old, and and then um, Morgan checks her bank account one day, my fiance, and she had ten thousand dollars in her account, and uh, we couldn't find out where it came from. We kept calling making phone calls and then she finally finds out that all that money came from uh her ex so her ex uh her bio- oldest biological daughter's father his her his her biological father got hit by a car he didn't die or anything but he sued the person that hit him by the car and got won a lawsuit for seventy thousand dollars so he paid off child support of ten thousand to her wow and with that ten thousand, we moved back here, uh, got an apartment. We had journey, got a job. She did. Uh, no, she didn't do her treatment stuff yet because her parents still had temporary custody of the oldest at the time. But I got we got a place. I got a job. She got a job babysitting. I was working at Red Robin here in Wasilla. Uh, we did that for about a year, a year and a half. Yeah. His journey was about a year and a half, and then uh, went back to the same people. Ran mm-hmm. into the same people, started hanging with the same yep. people, and the cycle just started all over again. Right back to square one. Slowly started pawning off all my TVs, all my stuff. You know, uh, a vehicle broke down, didn't have enough money to pay for that because I would have rather bought drugs than fix my vehicle at the time. And so lost that, sold, parted that vehicle out, didn't have transportation to go to work, so I got fired. Um, and during all, all that time when that was happening, she left and uh, went to uh, into the women's shelter. And I was alone in that apartment still doing drugs and drinking and just having parties and stuff and just not caring about my situation I was in. And she, uh, I want to say, got saved by God because she had heard a voice in her ear telling her exactly what to do. And that's the way she described it to me, and I believe it was God. But uh, she went to the women's shelter, uh, stuck with that. She did a treatment at Alaska Family Services, finished that, graduated, and got custody of both our daughters back. Wow. 
she did that all by herself. And I was not allowed to be around them until I had completed treatment and stuff. So after losing that apartment and getting evicted, all I had left was my car. I lived in my car for about three or four months, just driving around, trying to be a drug dealer. I like to say trying because usually I just buy it and then do it all. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. It's hard for addicts to deal drugs because then you're caught in this thing where you keep using what you bought to sell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it never works out. No. I have another question. When you were going through, like the first time you became a client, you got kicked out of housing from that span up until now, from between the time you were kicked out, did you come back in and utilize yes, services I, from time yes. to time? From time to time, I'd come in. Actually, I got to stay in housing a couple of times after that. You know, you guys uh, gave me chances time and time again. But anytime I was, I knew I was going to go screw up or whatever, I'd pack my bag and I'd leave. And I'd go screw up elsewhere. Wow. Um, but uh, after I had lost my car that I had at the time. Uh, Yeah, I think I went to jail at the same time because I had a warrant out for my arrest for not showing up to court for uh, driving charges, driving without license charges. I didn't show up to court, so I had a warrant out for my arrest. And when I got pulled over, they impounded my vehicle, which was not in my name, so I could not get it out of the impound if I wanted to. And um, took me to jail. I got out that next day, and they required me to do uh, ASAP because I was intoxicated when they pulled me over. So I went and did treatment at True North and uh, graduated in 2021. And, yeah, I loved it. Man, that's incredible. So I want to I wanna go back a little bit. So to recap, you you're born in Alaska. You were raised around the villages and in town. And you had, from what it sounds like, it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of stability by by you kind of just bouncing around between Buckland, Kotzebue, Wasilla, and, and, and so on. And you just kind of were going round and round and round. During that time, did you experience, like, any any difficulties with family members, any any traumatic things that happened that caused you to move or did you just kind of bounce around when you got tired of being where you were at? Uh, yeah, I had traumatic stuff. Ha- like uh, when I was a little kid, I got molested and stuff by one of my cousins and I told my parents about it and that was one of the first times I had left my parents to go stay with my grandpa and Ever since that, I just didn't want to be in Anchorage or around uh, my mom bringing people home I don't know. Yeah. So. Wow. So a lot of instability, a lot of traumatic things. When you tried uh, meth for the first time and you enjoyed it and you liked it, was any part of anything that you went through connected to that? Like at any point were you using to try to numb any pain? I think a lot of it was connected to it because up until I fully admitted to another human being that I, what I had gone through is when it went away. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. 
I am a, a really firm believer in uh, a lot of times people who struggle with substance use issues or get caught up in addiction. I, I do believe that, that it is a disorder that needs to be treated. And I think there's a lot of contributing factors to it. So I always like when I'm getting to know people, I like to ask those questions because uh, more times than not, I've found that, I, I mean, I even talked about it in, 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 in circles that I've been in that I didn't start using like my, my mindset wasn't like, I'm going to become a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking. It wasn't uh, like, I'm going to ruin my life. You know, when you're in class, you're like a little kid and everybody's like, what do you want to be when you go? Yeah. You're like that one kid. I want to be a junkie. <laughs> yeah, never <laughs> crossed my mind. Never, never thought that. And I never thought I was going to be a person to turn out like that when I did start using. And I started using for a similar reason. And I know this isn't about me, but uh, I relate very much to, to quite a few parts of your story. And, um, and I'm, I'm really glad that you worked up the courage to tell another person the things that happened to you, because I truly believe that healing can't take place until people talk about to another person they can trust. Mm -hmm. You can't work through it until it comes outside of you until it's not just in your head and there's another person who cares involved. And I, I believe that's where healing starts. So, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is the uh, sponsor who I was talking to about it at the time, he he said a similar thing had happened to him. And I was like, just relieved. Like, I thought I was the only one. And, you know, but that wasn't the case. And it just helped so much to let it all out instead of keep it bottled up inside where it eats you from the inside out. Mm -hmm. It's very destructive. So 2021... It sounds like you completed treatment. Yes, and I stayed sober for about, let's see, a year and a half. And then best friend uh, died. So that was, uh, yeah, one of my best friends died. And uh, uh, it was a VO, I mean, police uh, situation where he got shot and... Uh, so I started drinking, I went to the bar and drank a beer and it just progressed from there and progressed. And at this time I started drinking hard liquor and then another one of my best friends passed away uh, to an overdose. And at this point I just, I just went ham, started running inside the liquor stores, grabbing bottles and chugging them down. And then I started to hear demons or whatever, you know, just evil, awful stuff in my ears and... That's when I was like, oh, no, I got it. Turn back around. Wrong road, you know, wrong path. I'm not going down this one again. So I went back to True North, Vita Nova. Uh, I remember, sorry yes. to interrupt you, but I remember um, driving you somewhere, uh, and you had told me that that morning you had come to my house or you went to True North that morning, whatever morning it was where you were hearing those awful things. And you actually ran the yes, entire way from where you were staying <laughs> to treatment because you were trying to get away from I the did. atmosphere you were in. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life, you telling me that story. And um, I just wanted to, like, say it just for the sake of saying, like, sometimes you physically have to get out of the four walls you're in and yeah. the situation and running away from it 
physically can be the start of your journey to recovery. I'll never forget uh, that. So you got signed up with TNR. Yeah. Again. That was, uh, so after I got signed up, I stayed there for about four days. And I figured, you know, I'm clear headed now. I just, yeah, I, I can't be boxing in here. I'm going to go out there and I promise you guys, I will do good. I will do what I got to do, but I just can't do anything from in here without a phone. My best friend and brother just passed away so i gotta get out go to his funeral i got these things i want to do and get my life in order so that's what i did and here we are yeah it's been uh three three months and nine days sober so far dude congratulations yeah since that last runner (laughs) i remember when you left too and and i was so worried and i'll never forget you coming in here and i thought you were just gonna stay away and you came in here the day after you left at smiling and you're like, I'm like, Hey, you know, talking to you and you're like, no, it's really going to be okay. Yeah. I, I'm really, I promise I'm good. Um, I just needed to be out here. And I was like, I was reluctant to believe you. I was like, all right, man. Well, I really hope so. Um, because I just felt a connection to you from that day when, when I transported you, I hadn't really got to talk to you before. And then all of a sudden you got hired and you're working at my house. And I was like, what? And he's, yeah. and you're still here. So, um, it's f- funny how I got hired too. Uh, Michelle had messaged me out of the blue on messenger the day of Eric's funeral. And, uh, so she asked me if I needed a ride to the funeral. I already had a ride, but I told my fiance that I'll ride with Michelle rather instead. So she came and picked me up from, and then she's like, weird, uh, I grew up here, you know? And I was like, wait. She's like, yeah, I grew up here on this farm right here. Wow. Where, I, where you're at, Kearney Road. I guess she was a Kearney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so her cousins are my landlords. And uh, her uh, her cousin Jeff was once my attorney. And uh, oh, my wow. fiance did PTA work for Pat Kearney, who was a Alaska Senate uh, years ago, which was pretty cool. And, um, so yeah, her whole family has been like pretty much helping out my family without me even realizing it till that day she picked me up and I was like, wow, they they have a really huge family. And, uh, I told her that I could use a job and she was like, well, we could use a new janitor because uh, Tanya keeps yip yapping at the ones we have now and (laughs) they don't do anything up to her standards. Do you think you can do it up to her standards? And I told her, well, Tanya loves me and I love her. So perfect. Got hired that next day. She told me to come in that next Wednesday. I came in and signed uh, the shortest uh, application I had ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So from a client to an employee, I mean, those are my favorite stories. Those are my favorite things. What, if you had to pick one thing, whether it was an interaction, uh, a feeling you had, a memory, uh, a service provided to you, what was the, what would you say is the most impactful thing about my house that has affected you for, in a positive way? The most impactful thing for my house for me, I feel like was consistency and just not giving up on the client and always welcoming back with open arms and always being forgiving. Like, yeah, I, I don't think I ever felt that, uh, from my family and stuff, you know, just constantly being there and constantly having opening arms, constantly providing for my needs is what my house has done. And I just want to thank them for not giving up on me. 